Thank you, Peter. That was completely unintentional, that the first thing was, and then Peter said. But there you go. It's great. It's been a great morning again, hasn't it? It's just so good to be together as the people of God, to praise and to worship him together. But before we come and gather around this word and look a little bit closely at it, let's just pray again, shall we? Let's pray. God, we are just so thankful for the love that you have for us. We thank you for the truth that we have heard that you sent your son to set us free, that he died on the cross to pay the debt of sin which we could not pay on our own. And Lord, we pray now that as we come and we sit under the instruction of your word that you would speak clearly to us as your people, that you would have your way in us, that you would have your way through us, and that we would leave this place transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as I said a little bit earlier on in the service, right now we are continuing on in a series that we started last week. But if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go and listen to the message on YouTube. Not because it was me, but because God was speaking to us as his people. We started this series called A Journey of Grace. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're on a journey together. And that journey continues this morning and will run right up until the day that we go to be with God in glory. But it will only last for seven weeks in church. So it will not be from here till the end of time. But we are invited on this journey of grace to share with others that they too can join him on the journey of grace, being made new and follow after him. But today as we spend some time looking at this story um, of Peter and Cornelius, which we read in Acts chapter 10, let me ask you a question. Is there a particular date that sticks out in your mind as particularly special? Is there a date that sticks out in your mind positively that is a really good date? Instantly I can say that some minds have probably gone to wedding anniversaries. Some minds have maybe went to the birth of children or relatives. Man United fans, your mind went to the 26th of May 1999 in Barcelona in the 93rd minute. Tennis fans, maybe your mind only goes back as far as last night. On the 11th of September 2021, where Emma Raducanu stormed to become the first qualifier to ever win the US Open and did it without even dropping a set. The first British woman to win a Grand Slam title in 44 years at the age of 18. Maybe if you're Stephen or Nicole, your mind maybe goes to just now, a special moment where your baby daughter was dedicated to the Lord. There are some dates in our minds that are imprinted as special and some dates that we will just never forget for different reasons and they stir up different emotions within us. One such date for me is Sunday the 13th of December 2015. And you're all going, what happened? Let me tell you. I need to start before Sunday the 13th of December 2015. There was a wee woman 
I can't say her name because I didn't ask permission to tell her story. So let's just say that her name was Margaret. There was a wee woman called Margaret. She grew up in Glasgow. She was born into a very normal family on the Protestant side of the city and grew up with that influence on her lives, right in the heart of Glasgow. She grew up in a loving home where she knew she was loved, she knew she was cared for, but as she grew older, she decided that she wanted to extend the love and the care that had been extended in her home to her, to other people. She wasn't the most intelligent, she would say that herself if she were here, but she was driven. And she decided that, you know what, I want to give back. So one of the ways that she felt she could give back was that she could train to be a nurse. And she was a fantastic nurse. She went right through the bands, right through um, and progressed in her career to matron of one of the hospitals, hospital wards. She was very good at what she did. She loved to love. She loved to extend care to other people. But as she grew up and as she got married herself and had a son, the family home wasn't particularly as happy as she remembered hers growing up. There was a breakdown in her marriage, leaving her and her young son to fend for themselves. Then she fell in love again, only for her partner to cheat on her and to leave her for another woman. A single mother, growing up in Glasgow, but still giving back. Still doing all that she could to extend the love that was not currently being extended to her. As she grew older, and as bad things continued to happen, she started to ask questions. If bad things are happening to you, you begin to ask questions. And normally, the first question you ask is, why me? Why is this happening? Why have these things been allowed to happen? I'm a good person. I do my best for my son. I try and I help people as best I can. Why are these things happening to me? Yet it seems that those who are wicked, those who go out of their way to hurt other people, they're not really getting their comeuppance. They're not really getting what's due them. Why me? Why are these things happening? This woman, let's say her name's Margaret, it's not. But Margaret took early retirement due to some issues with arthritis and other conditions. And during her retirement, she would say that she went on a journey. She wasn't living in Glasgow at this point. I believe she, was, she had moved to Edinburgh with work. And as she retired, it's very expensive to live in Edinburgh. So she moved to a commuter's town by the name of Dunfermline, about 40 minutes from Edinburgh. There she started a new life in a wee close, in a wee road. A wee house. A house that she called her own and a house that she still lives in today. And in her retirement 
and she had more time to think and she had more time to ask questions as her son was now a man himself with his own family and had moved out of the home long before she retired. She found herself on her own, but still with all of life's questions. There's got to be more than this. What is the meaning of life? Why do bad things keep happening to me? This questioning led her to explore the different religions of the world. For she had explored everything else that she could think of. So she turned to seek out religions. She tells me, she told me how she spent some time in and amongst the Buddhists trying to find the answer. She says it just didn't quite fit. She says I spent some time even amongst the Muslim community, but it didn't quite satisfy. She spent her time going to some uh, mediums, loads of different types of people in the spiritual world, yet her longing could not be satisfied. Something was missing. She talks of that wee voice in the back of her head. Maybe you've heard that wee voice in the back of your head before. The voice in the back of her head going, there's more than this. There's more than this. After living in that wee house for 15 years, on Sunday the 13th of December, she wandered into a church that was at the bottom of her wee hill. That day, a young preacher preached probably the worst sermon he's ever preached. It was Advent and it was an attempted sermon about wise men who were searching. Yet God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, used those words and I look back because I looked at the notes, they weren't great. God used those words by the power of his Holy Spirit. Something within Margaret, that wee voice said, this is what you've been looking for. That day after the service, I had the privilege of leading Margaret into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Sunday the 13th of December. But the story started long before that. You'll notice that from this story that this lady whom I had the privilege of leading to the Lord that morning, that she had been on a journey. It wasn't that out of the blue one Sunday morning she just happened to wake up and decided that she would go to the wee hall that was 250 yards from her house down the hill. But for a while she had been searching. For a while she had been contemplating. For a while she'd been asking questions. For the longest time she had known that there must be more than what I'm currently experiencing. And this wasn't an act of her will. She would say that herself. For her father was very against the things of God. And that was ingrained 
into her from a young age. This wasn't an act of her will. It was the last thing that she ever wanted to do. Yet for the longest time, God had been at work in her life and she hadn't even known it. God had been gently wooing her by his Holy Spirit through his provenient grace or his seeking grace. God's grace pursued her and went before her. It sought her out and it began to gently woo her to himself. It wasn't coercive, it wasn't forceful, but rather gentle. Gently God wooed this lady to himself. And you need to know this. That's my story too. Of a God who gently woos. He is already at work in our lives long before we recognise or realise that it's him. We don't just wake up one day desiring God. Rather, God has been activating in us a desire before we knew or understand or understood who God was. The scriptures tell us that without God, this is our reality. And you were dead in the trespasses of sin in which you have once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. But God, I love those two words, very important words, life transforming words, but God. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he has, with which he has loved us. Even before we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were dead in our trespasses rather, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Without Christ, with, without Jesus, we are dead in our sins. We're spiritually dead. We might show signs of life on the outside, People might look at us and think that we've got it all together and that we're untouchable and that we're strong. But without Christ, the truth is we are spiritually dead. And those who are dead cannot seek. They cannot find. They cannot be brought to life in their own strength. Help must come from another source. And the good news, more good news for you this morning. The good news for each and every one of us today is that help is at hand. Help is at hand. And God is working. I'm so encouraged by these words from a man called Lovett Weems, which I think is an amazing name, by the way. His name's Lovett Weems. He says, God seeks us before we ever seek God. The initiative of salvation is with God from the beginning. Before we ever take a step, God is there. Before we ever take a step, 
God is there. And God is working, church. He is working in your life right now, whether you recognize that or not. He is wooing and he is calling you to himself. This journey of grace is one which we all travel, some further than others. But this journey of grace does not start, it doesn't start whenever we surrender our lives to Christ. Because it's already started. And it is my prayer that on this journey, the invitation to follow him will be accepted in your life. Peter read to us earlier from the conclusion of Acts chapter 10. If you have time this afternoon, I really want to encourage you. We're not meeting for Sunday evening services at the moment. So why not take some time this evening and read through Acts chapter 10. A great passage of scripture which tells of the conversion of a man by the name of Cornelius. And not just the conversion of him, but the conversion of his whole household to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And this was in response to the message of Jesus, which Peter brought that day. And whilst we don't have time to go into every important detail of the chapter, it is pivotal and it is important that we recognise that God's seeking grace was well and truly at work in the life of Cornelius to bring him to the point of repentance that day. It wasn't something that just happened like that. We read about Cornelius, about how he was a Roman centurion of the Italian guard. I love the detail that Luke, the writer of the book of Acts gives. He was a Roman centurion of the Italian guard. He was far from home. He was far from home. And he was supposed to be an enemy of the Jewish people. The Romans had occupied Israel. They had occupied Jerusalem and the surrounding cities. All throughout Israel was occupied. And he, Cornelius, a Roman centurion, finds himself among the people of Israel. Yet, the scriptures tell us right at the start of that chapter that he gives to the work of God. That he gives to the people. That he fears God and is even offering prayers to a God who in the eyes of society was not his God to offer prayers to. Cornelius clearly finds himself at a crossroads just as that wee Glaswegian woman found herself at a crossroads. He's asking questions he knows there's more than this. He finds himself at a crossroads and then something miraculous happens. It says in chapter 10 and verse 3, About the ninth hour of the day, he, being Cornelius, saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror, which I think is a very good response. He stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa 
and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He was at a crossroads. But he was also full of curiosity. Meanwhile, God is at work in the life of Peter, who Cornelius sends for. And God sent him a vision and makes it clear to him that whenever these men arrive, these men that Cornelius sent, these members of his legion, we need to bear in mind that these are essentially enemy forces which are sent to go and get Peter. Enemy forces that were sent by probably the most powerful man in the region at that time. That whenever these men arrived, Peter was to go with them and do as God commanded. Peter had questions. If you were asked to go with the enemy forces, you'd have questions too. Peter had questions. Cornelius had lots of questions. That's why he sent for Peter in the first place. One of my favourite things, and I say this honestly, alongside child dedications, alongside weddings, one of my favourite things as a pastor is whenever people come and ask questions. They come and ask questions. When they refuse to settle for the status quo, whenever they inquire and whenever they challenge. And here's why I love it so much. Here's why I love it. Because anyone who is asking questions is already under the allure of grace. If you're asking questions, if you've ever asked the question of faith, you're under the allure of God's grace. And the beauty of God's seeking provenient grace is, is knowing that God is already doing the work in your heart and life. And I love it because whenever people come and ask questions, I know that God is doing the work in the life of that person. That he's already beginning to gently, to gently woo them to himself. Cornelius had questions. Peter had questions. And if they had questions, it's all right for you to have questions too. And when we look at and read the life of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, we see that he is constantly surrounded by the people of God. The place where he is stationed is the region of Caesarea. This was actually the very place that Peter had confessed that Jesus was the Christ. There are people who God has placed in your life just as he placed in Cornelius's life. For a reason. God had placed people in Cornelius' life to influence him. To point him to God. And he places people in your life to influence you. To point you to God. To play a small part in God's wooing of you to himself. They may be a neighbour. They may be a family member. They may be a a colleague, they may be a classmate, they may be a youth group leader, they may be whatever. You can insert the blank there. But just as God placed Cornelius in the region of Caesarea, and just as he placed that wee Glaswegian woman in Dunfermline, I believe with heart and with soul,
that God has placed you in this church this morning. And for those who are maybe watching online, he's placed them in front of their iPad, in front of their phone, in front of their laptop. Nothing happens by coincidence. God is always working. And whilst the story of Cornelius doesn't end in Acts chapter 10, but it's the recorded end. And recorded at the end of this chapter, we read these wonderful, life-transforming words. Acts 10 and 44. While Peter was still saying these things, telling them of the love of God, telling them of how Jesus laid down their lives. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. The Spirit of God, which we are told in Ephesians chapter 1, is given to us when we come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ and Lord as Lord and Saviour of our lives. That Holy Spirit fell upon Cornelius and his household that day. They were convicted of their sins, in which they were dead, and they commit their lives to Jesus Christ and are given life and life in all of its fullness. I love how Jeff Stark puts this. He's a Nazarene pastor. He says, conviction is the grace that begins to align our lives to the kingdom of God before we've made that kingdom our home. Discipleship happens all along the journey of grace, nurturing, fostering, and feeling the work that God is already up to in a person's life. God's seeking grace, however, is not only at work in the life of the one who is being wooed, but it must also be at work in the life of those who are being commissioned. Do you remember that scripture that Paul writes? In his letter to the Romans, for how will they hear if we do not tell them? If you're a Christian this morning, if you're following after Jesus, it's important that you realise that God worked through Peter and that he had a responsibility to share the good news of the kingdom with Cornelius. He needed to be ready to give account for the hope that was within him, in season or out of season. Scholars reckon Peter was on his hollybobs. He was on his holidays, staying with Simon the, Simon the Tanner at Joppa. He was out of season. He was chilling out. It was the last time that he was expecting that he would need to share. But he needed to be ready to give an account of the hope that was within him in season and out of season. And I love that God takes Peter back to the place where he first confessed that Christ was Lord, that Jesus was the Christ. And Peter is sent to stand with Cornelius as he sought after God. And church, the mandate of the kingdom, the responsibility that we have as followers of Jesus is this. You too are sent to go and do. 
You too are sent to go and to stand with people as they ask questions and as they search for the things of God. You are planted where you are for a reason. And with the prompting and the help of the Holy Spirit of God, you too are called to share the good news with others. Just as Peter did with Cornelius, just as I had the privilege of doing with that wee woman from Glasgow, and just as someone did with you all those years ago. And with this we finish. Don't forget to celebrate. We love to celebrate, don't we? We nearly woke the girls last night when Emma Raducanu won the US Open. We just love to celebrate. We don't know Emma Raducanu. We will never know Emma Raducanu, but in that moment, we felt like she was our sister. We were sharing in the joy with her. Don't forget to celebrate. Don't forget to celebrate. There's a wee song that my dad, mum and dad used to blare from the kitchen when I lived at home. And I think I'm now at the point where I just have to admit I like the song, right? I'm just at that point. And the lyrics of this, and I was listening to it in the car on the way over. I was listening to it this week as I was preparing this message. And God spoke to me and he said, share these words. For if just one more soul were to walk down the aisle, it would be worth every trouble. It would be worth every man. A lifetime of labour is still worth it all if it rescues just one more soul. And maybe, maybe this morning we could celebrate with someone. Maybe this morning we could celebrate with someone. Because I truly believe that somebody here or somebody online is beginning to notice the movement of God seeking grace in their life. And they're looking for a way to respond and they don't quite know how. I want to say this, if that's you this morning, we would love to pray with you. We would love to pray for you. We would love to celebrate with you. I love that passage of scripture which tells us how whenever a sinner comes home, the angels in heaven have a party. We would love to have a party with you this morning. We would love to pray with you. And I encourage you as we sing our closing song, as we stand together, don't leave this place without doing something about it. Don't leave this place without reaching out to God, for he has already reached out to you and he welcomes you. He says, come and see. He says, follow me. He says, you will be. He says, go and do. Let's stand together as we close our time in some worship.